Well, welcome to the Desire Truth podcast and our conversation series. Uh, today, I'm joined by Rachel Sloan, the Women's Ministry Coordinator at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh, and also the recently appointed Women's Ministry Coordinator at the FIEC. So it's great to have Rachel with us on this podcast. And to start, we're going to get to know her a little bit. So Rachel, tell us about who you are, where you're from, and how you became a Christian. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Rachel. Um, I've been in Edinburgh since I was 13. So went to school here for a bit, did university and stayed on. Um, was born in Belfast, um, lived there till six and then lived in Warrington in the northwest of England, which slightly explains the slightly confusing accent, which doesn't really pick one point. <laughs> um, yeah, so moved here. Um, settled here trained to be a teacher um, and did that as well yeah so you've you've lived in three of the uk countries the question yes. is are you, do you have any plans to live in wales at any point not at the moment but we'll see who knows where god will leave <laughs> i like edinburgh so yeah and i just feel that it is definitely home now so yeah absolutely so you you mentioned that you um, trained in teaching and uh, we know you're working with this Charlotte Chapel and FIC so so what happened between training for teaching and going into ministry did, did you want to go into ministry what did God do there in your life um well I guess so I I guess grew up in a Christian family um so kind of became a Christian at a young age and then was involved in youth work and various types of ministry throughout, I guess, my later years of high school and going into university. And I think doing that really just grew in me a desire um, to teach the Bible to others um, and want that to kind of help them to grow in their faith, to know about Jesus for themselves and just help them see how knowing God made a difference to how they live. Um, but at that time wasn't really sure how I could do that what that would look like I guess beyond university what the job options were um, I think at the time I wasn't really keen to do youth work and I think that was more partly because my experience at the time was people did youth work for a couple of years and then they went and got a proper job or a kind of secular job in that sense and for me the desire to do ministry which was growing was to do it full time I wanted to do this longer term so it was much more well we needed to wait and see what that looked like so when I graduated um yeah decided to apply to do teaching at the advice of my mum um so taught for a couple of years and kind of about halfway through my teaching so two three years into it just this desire to do ministry just kept growing and um, I was still involved in youth work still involved in ministry with our 20s and 30s group at church and um, so started to try and explore what the options would be um, and looked into maybe going to bible college um, whether that would be an option but then I um, started speaking to my minister um, at the time at the church I was going to and he um, was not long at the church but had said that they were thinking of starting up an apprenticeship scheme um, so doing a couple of years of ministry at the church alongside going to Cornhill over in Glasgow um, and would I like to apply for that and I was like yeah that sounds great um, so applied got offered the position and then started doing um, the apprenticeship and I think that two years really confirmed for me that ministry full-time was what I wanted to do and where God was leading and calling me so 
I think that's the beauty of apprenticeships and internships is that it, it's that tester. Is this something that I want to do long term? Mm -hmm. um, and, and if it's not, to some extent, you get an out because it's, mm -hmm. it's just a it's just a short period of time. I, yeah, I yeah. share your thoughts on on youth ministry. I managed one year and after one year, I just I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> Kids are just so so crazy loud. We we did teenagers. My wife and I we looked after the teenage group. We loved doing all the activities, but boy, it was exhausting. You know, trying to look after and, and train and equip young people. Yeah, so it definitely takes a special breed, I think, of of youth workers to do it long term. It does. It does, and I think it is really important to find people who are keen to do it long term because having that consistency with the young people really helps I think yeah I think we also have to move past the idea that it's just for young people and actually I think that again you know kids teenagers need to see older Christians and relate to them I think that makes a big difference absolutely so you you clearly did uh, apprenticeship and um, tell us about your role now at Charlotte Chapel what what does it entail what's a typical day what's your responsibilities Great. So I've been at Charlotte now for over eight years um, as the women's ministry coordinator. Um, and my role essentially involves three things. So it involves helping the women grow in their discipleship. So I guess grow in likeness of Christ um, grow in their love for him. It involves training. So training the women, um, I guess, then to help others in their discipleship and they're growing to be like Christ and then evangelism. So again, helping the women and um, be equipped, confident to tell others um, about Jesus. And so the different things that I do in a day or a week kind of fall under those three different categories trying to do that. Um, I'm not sure a typical day um, in ministry. I think there could often be a typical week so you can have a pattern to your week, but things kind of come up and change. Um, and so most of the things that I'd be involved in are one-to-ones. So that's either with some of our young adults and students kind of reading the Bible with them, helping them see how they can kind of put their faith into practice and maybe reading the Bible with a new Christian or someone who's exploring the faith and doing Bible study prep. So we have a ladies Bible study um, on a Tuesday morning, which I'm involved in kind of running, helping the leaders and we write our own Bible studies for that. So I'm involved in helping the the women write the studies um, and, and just teach the Bible there. And so that kind of takes a good part of my time. I'm also involved in our young adults ministry, kind of doing a different, a similar thing, kind of helping the, the leaders and then involved in writing Bible studies there as well. Um, and then there's the kind of admin planning um, staff meeting type um, stuff as well, just being part of the wider staff team um, and involved in planning kind of different events, whether that's um, kind of teaching for the women or evangelistic events and things like that yeah that the admin is the never-ending email trail that is ministry <laughs> yep. um, you, you, yep you never take a day off because the next day you know fine well you're gonna have double the amount of emails come in um, yeah. Yeah. I think the joy it's really, if you ever managed to empty your inbox <laughs> no no I, I just put that out of office on and just just pretend they haven't come in type thing <laughs> um but i think it's great that you've mentioned that that it's not just about one-to-ones and, and you discipling one it's actually the hope that you're equipping them to do it uh, kind of replicate it with somebody else Absolutely. i think that's a really important thing um in ministry is that we are not just seen as staff that do but we're staff that equip and um, mm -hmm. so so the church can do it uh, in some senses trying to outwork us out of a job so that the others can do it um, yeah yeah I, mean, I think that's kind of my aim with things that i do is i don't want 
especially things like the ladies bible study or even just a one-to-one -one ministry to have to only operate if I'm there because again who knows where God might lead me in the future and so I want to be able to put things in place where they will continue um, beyond my time at Charlotte and just that kind of I guess church culture of discipleship um, amongst the women just continues the training among the women continues um, and just there's that real desire to see that happen I think it's really important and that segues quite nicely actually into our next question All, almost as if you planned that but uh, you've, you've taken up another appointment as the women's ministry coordinator at the FIC if, if you're listening in folks and you don't know what the FIC is it's the fellowship of independent evangelical churches just far easier to say FIEC. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role at the FIC and what, what are you taking up and what's your kind of plans with it? Yeah, so I started that role in September and again, I'm their women's ministry coordinator and particularly focused on helping and supporting women who are in ministry in roles like mine. Um, I work alongside Eleanor and her role is particularly looking at and supporting pastors' wives. Um, and then another um, lady, Gabby, um, has just started and she's looking at how we can develop training um, in particular for women. So the three of us work together as a team. And I guess my role, like I said, working with women who are in ministry, supporting them is one of the big things. So often women who are in ministry, it can be uh, an isolating role sometimes. There's not many of us. Um, and so just trying to create fellowship and networks of support and prayer is something I'm hoping that we can really do more of and encourage the women in the roles that they do so they I guess have people who they can turn to people who are kind of doing similar things they can ask those questions what is it like what have you done in these situations um, which again then would lead to the second thing is resourcing so trying to help the women kind of know where they can come to to answer various questions that they might come up with in their churches um, do book reviews so again what are good books that can help um, what are good bible studies um, and again that's something that I'm hoping that we can really develop um, is to be a kind of place that is a really helpful resource um, for women in our churches and then finally training so hopefully doing some more training opportunities um, for women who are ministry again you often find that um, women can do an apprenticeship, get loads of input at that, but beyond that, um, there's not a huge amount of opportunity to, to develop your skills, to get more feedback and to get more input. So again, hopefully kind of being able to do opportunities um, for women in that way as well. Well, I'm going to have to jump on the you, recommending books. Now, you can't say that you're going to do book reviews and recommend good books and then not give us a recommendation. So you're going to have to give us <laughs> a recommendation for for women's workers out there, for those that are, are trying to equip other women and, and, and help them develop that discipleship, give us a big recommendation. Um, one of the books that I read in this past year is a new one by Melissa Krieger called Growing Together. Um, and it is designed to be used in a one-to-one -one relationship. Um, and so she start the first two chapters kind of explain the premise of um, discipleship. So I think in her book, she calls it mentoring, but essentially it's one-to-ones or discipleship is the same thing. Um, what does that look like? What's the biblical basis of it? Um, what are some of the practicalities that are helpful to consider? Um, and then the remaining chapters take you through topics that you might want to talk about in a kind of one-to-one -one relationship. So how, you know, how's your Bible reading going? How you're thinking about evangelism? 
contentment, um, a load of different topics. Um, and I think for women who are starting out, who maybe don't feel hugely confident in doing a one-to-one, it's really helpful because essentially you read the book, the chapter um, beforehand, and then there's questions um, that you've discussed together. And so it's very much guiding people through um, a kind of starting point in um, discipleship. And just you know helping people get to the kind of the heart of the matter that you want to be able to talk to talk to people about and then I think I would kind of almost recommend you do the book together and then jump into maybe doing a book of the bible together after that because you've kind of laid a good foundation so that would be one of my recommendations super and as our podcast listeners know Jonathan Carswell kind of those that's your place to get your books uh you're, you're, not, you're not gonna get them cheaper anywhere I, I feel like I do like an advertisement for Jonathan every single time I do a podcast um but uh, you know we want to be supporting ministries uh, worldwide in that sense but uh, thinking about the COVID pandemic and uh, to some extent looking at the news we, we are to some extent coming towards the other end of this um you know we're not saying that it's over we're kind of saying that things are beginning to change and 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 i think with the vaccine you know there's maybe a little less fear where we're getting a little bit more confident to the to look into the future but just thinking over this last year you've been doing two roles how has covid you know impacted that i I can imagine you're not doing you know one-to-ones in coffee shops and things like this so so how's your year looked like over this past year well i guess like everyone everything moved very quickly online um, I had the the added joy slash complication of finishing off my degree at Edinburgh Theological Seminary as we started into lockdown so I was writing my dissertation um, and getting used to lectures online as well as bringing all the ministries that we were doing online um, and that was positive in so many ways um, our ladies bible study has continued and in fact we've grown um, since we've been online and for some of them, because they're working at home, they can take an hour out of their work day and do it. For some of them, they have caring responsibilities, which means they can't easily leave their house. So they're able to jump on and do it. Um, so that's been a real joy to see that we've been able to do those things. Um, we've still been able to do one-to-ones, even if they have been on a Zoom screen or going for a walk, even in the rain. I have to do a lot of walks in the rain at Scotland. <laughs> Um, getting used to all of that um, and again I'm starting um, the job at the FIC I think having had you know those months of things moving online actually made it a little bit easier because we were all used to doing things online so obviously I'm joining the team remotely so actually it's been good to be able to get to know colleagues and get to know women's workers around the country and do that relatively quickly because you can set up a Zoom meeting and chat to people online. That doesn't take up too much time. But I guess then that does lead to the kind of the slightly negative side of it all that we haven't been able to see people face to face, that um, we haven't been able to kind of come alongside people and support them when they've really needed it because there's nothing better than actually just sitting next to someone on the sofa, giving them a hug. Um, When you're having to have more tricky conversations or supporting people through harder pastoral situations, the rules and regulations have just made that a little bit harder and just trying to work out how to best do that and negotiate all of that. Um, Different things like conferences being scaled down and not being able to see things in person, I think, I've noticed that particularly starting with the FIC, you know, the joy of my job is meeting people from all over the country and being able to establish relationships with them. 
And that is much harder when you're doing a virtual conference because the, the natural conversation that happens over coffee, over dinner, as you're walking down the corridor together doesn't happen. Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, like many of us, there's been things that have been positive, but also challenges with it as well. Something I've noticed in, in discipleship um, on Zoom and, and online is that actually having silences online is really difficult. We, we want to talk into the silences where if we were sitting with somebody, you know, talking through, especially something difficult. I think to some extent, we're happy to sit silent and just be that comforting person there for an individual. We're on Zoom. You, it, it's almost painful hearing mm -hmm. that silence. You want to jump into it. So I think you can often over talk on the kind yeah. of one to one elements online. So I certainly will be looking forward to get back to just being almost being silent, sitting with somebody yeah. would be yeah. nice. Now, yeah. I was going to ask you what your plans for women's ministry would be as we slowly come out of lockdown. I'm going to actually slightly change that question and just simply ask, what are you most looking forward to in terms of let's 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 go in the bliss world of hoping that COVID really isn't going to impact from June onwards. I, I don't think anyone believes that, but let's go into the bliss world <laughs> of, of that being true. What is what is it that you personally just really want to see in ministry come back so that you can get involved in again? I mean, I think it is um, what we've just talked about, getting to see people face to face, um, getting back into church on a Sunday and being able to have that time after church. Um, I hold my hands up and say that coffee time after church hasn't always been my favourite time. But I think it's been one of the times that I've actually missed the most because you realise how important that is to catch up with people, to have a quick conversation or a longer conversation about how they're doing. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being able to sing together. Um, that is going to be a real joy. Um, and I think with the FIC, just being able to go and meet people and travel, um, I think you get a much better idea of how a woman's getting on in her church context. Yeah. going and meeting them and seeing their church in real life visiting on a Sunday going for a coffee with them yeah. um, and so there's parts of that that kind of makes me go oh gosh it's going to be busy when we get out of this but actually looking forward to just being able to do that to to see people and um, spend a bit more time with them um, because I think that will just really help you know develop the opportunities for support and training and resourcing that I think are so important for us to do. It certainly does sound like you'll be busy, but I think the the effort to go to another women's workers church and be with them wherever that may be is is a massive thing to to know that that support there. Zoom's one thing, and and we're grateful for it, but it's a huge thing to to go and visit somebody mm -hmm. in their church. Now we have been talking about virtual conferences, um, and actually, uh, the part of the reason that Rachel's on this podcast this time round is because I was part of a virtual conference. Um, I say part of, you, you kind of watch most of it and you kind of engage it at, at different levels. Uh, but Rachel had put together a, a video for the conference uh, discussing the biblical view of complementarianism and how that outworks within a church. Now, before going into some of that and into some of the questions, uh, really wanting to go to Rachel to see what the definition would be of what complementarianism is. As, as a pastor, I can I can go into this, but I think if, if Rachel's going to be the one helping us understand it, I think Rachel should be the one uh, to bring us that definition of, of, of where we're going to begin. So, uh, Rachel, how would you define complementarianism? Um, 
so I'll try and be as, as succinct as possible. <laughs> um, so I think complementarianism believes that the Bible talks about three key things about men and women. I think the first thing that it says is that men and women are equal in status, worth and personhood um, and that God's design for men and women from creation was shaped by equality. Both men and women were made in God's image. Both were given the creation mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. There is no hint um, in the very beginning of superiority or inferiority in how God created uh, men and women. And we see that equality continued throughout the Bible through to the New Testament, where we see that there is equality between men and women in Christ, that our image is renewed, both men and women in Christ, and both are worth being taught God's word and being part of God's family. Um, I think it's a lovely picture you see of men and women being both co-heirs um, with Christ. And so that's the first thing that men and women are equal, but then complementarianism also believes that men and women were created differently, um, both in, I guess, the, the differing order that they were created, but then there is a diversity in role between men and women. And primarily that um, difference works itself out in roles within the church and within marriage. Um, and then the third thing following on with that is that there is a complementarity that essentially because of those differences, men and women work together and to complement the things about each other. And so for humanity to best image God as we were created, that involves men and women to work together with the differences and celebrating the differences um, that they have. I think that I think you you got it in a nutshell in three. You you did well to get into that that three points. Um, well, as somebody that serves in a complementarian church and somebody that that clearly through uh, the virtual conference I was on um, believes in complementarianism, can you give us some examples of how that would outwork within a church setting? So so what you've given us, I guess, is is the theory, is is the the biblical viewpoint. But what is what is that outworking element within a church setting? Well, I think um, it means that we should then see two things within our churches. Um, I think we should see examples of men and women working well together in ministry, um, where they come alongside each other for the sake of the gospel and gospel partnerships. So that could be um, men and women working together on a staff team where women are welcomed and valued as kind of equal parts of that staff team. Um, obviously there will be different roles um, within that staff team but women are alongside the men working in that. And so that will then be played out within ministry teams within our churches, where men and women are involved in the different ministries, again, working together, supporting one another with that desire of sharing the gospel together. Um, and so I would be part of leadership of our young adults ministry, one of our pastors in training heads up that ministry, um, but we would work together um, in how we kind of disciple and encourage our, our young people in that. And then again, seeing that in evangelism, where you have men and women working alongside each other, sharing the gospel, um, whether that's in courses or Bible studies or just a welcome in our church to the to new people. Um, so I think that's the first thing is just being able to see men and women work well together. Um, and then the second thing that we I think we'd want to see is celebrating and recognizing the differences between men and women. And so I think we would want to see a strong ministry towards our men and a strong ministry towards our women. Um, again, I think those may look different in practice and the focuses that they have. Um, but if we believe that there are differences with, between men and women, then some of that should be played out in how we can kind of minister and disciple one another. 
And I think that's at the heart of what Paul talks about in Titus 2. There are certain things that women can best encourage women in, in terms of how they work, how they love their husbands, how they love their children, how they love their families. And so um, I think at Charlotte, that then plays out in our um, ladies Bible study, where women have an opportunity to share and encourage each other and what it means to be a Christian woman um, in the particular areas of life. Um, again, with the intergenerational one-to-ones, so trying to encourage the older women to come alongside younger women, again, sharing their experience, sharing the things that have helped them grow in Christ through the experiences that they've had as women. Um, and then putting on particular events where we address, I guess, issues or questions or topics that women um, face. Um, so, and doing that, you know, using the Bible to answer kind of things that are either coming at us from the world or just questions that we have about how we put our faith into practice mm. as women. I think it's a really good point you made there that there is a discipleship that women that you're doing with the women but that doesn't mean that that discipleship shouldn't be happening with the men that should equally be happening we should be whether man or woman we need to be discipling and equipping and training and mm-hmm. that's a really important aspect to some extent we've also brought in youth there it's we're kind of saying really everyone in the church needs to be discipled yeah. and equipped and yeah. um, well let's dive a little bit deeper that's maybe some examples in the church settings let's let's go into what, what would you say are the positives of, of being complementarian would be? We'll, we'll come on to the negatives or the pitfalls in a second, but for now, what, what's the positives of being complementarian? Um, I think I would want to say that, firstly, complementarianism should be positive, that when we put into practice what the Bible says um, as well as we can, then it should be a positive experience. Like you said, we'll come on to some of the challenges of that. And I think there are things where in the past and even now we are in complementarian churches, there are things that are unhelpful um, and things that are not as positive, but actually I think we want to encourage people to see that actually it is, it is positive when we understand what the Bible has to say about men and women. Um, and I think the positives are that we should see men and women working together for, for God's glory is that they, we should be able to pursue um the countless things that women can do within a church. Um, It's really encouraging when you go through the New Testament and see how women were part of the the group that followed Jesus. They were there as Jesus taught. They were there at the cross and as at the resurrection. So they were an integral part of his ministry. Um, As you go through Paul's letters and see again, all the names of the women that are mentioned and how they are part of his ministry um, and celebrated and they're not a sideline they're not an add-on but they're an integral part of his ministry and I think when you take that into consideration of the cultural context both Jesus and Paul having women alongside them in that way would have not happened um, we can kind of miss that I think sometimes and not take and kind of take it for granted that women should be there but actually in a sort of first century Jewish context that would have been surprising and shocking that women were so valued and so I think that's the first thing we want to see is that complementarianism is positive because it celebrates and should celebrate the value the worth the integral part of of women um, and their life within the ministry Um, And so then positively, it encourages men to listen to to women, to hear their voices, to be part of that. 
Um, and then I think secondly, the, the positives is it does celebrate the fact that there are differences between men and women. Um, and then so encourages women to use, and men to use their gifts appropriately within the roles that they're called to within marriage, within church. It should encourage training um, for both men and women, again, in, within the roles that they're called to. Um, I think having worked in both a predominantly female environment as a teacher and a male environment within church, you know, there are differences in how we do it. And so I think we, we live in a world that kind of wants to smooth over those differences and say that we're essentially men and women are just the same, but actually a positive aspect of complementarianism is it rejoices in those differences and makes the most of them. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's when you make most of them, it's almost like you're giving your full heart and attention to them because you're not fighting against it or for it or whatever it is. And you're just in it to some extent. It, it really comes to the surface and really develops uh, those roles. And as you're saying, even just listening to one another and when you're not necessarily fighting different things and just celebrating it rather than the, than the negative, then you are able to see, as you say, a really positive environment. Uh, but as we said, there are definitely negatives and pitfalls uh, that we have seen in churches over the years. Um, what would you say have been some of the pitfalls of complementarianism? Have you experienced any yourself um, or just looking at kind of church history? What, what are some of the pitfalls we can get into when we consider this theology? Well, I think some of the, the pitfalls are shaped by, it can be shaped by an outworking to to, I guess to do what the Bible says and protect it, but in such a way that it becomes restrictive. So as the culture has changed around us in views about men and women, what men and women can and can't do, and within the church we can be so desiring to protect what the Bible says that that then we almost become more restrictive than what the Bible says. And so I think a negative aspect is when churches or church leaders focus more on what women can't do within church than they do and celebrating um, what women can do. And so they, to a degree, go over and above what the Bible says. Um, obviously within our network of churches, within churches in the UK, there will be different ways that we practice complementarianism out of the broad principles that are there in the Bible. But I think I would want to encourage churches to always be looking at are the reasons why we do things because that's what the Bible encourages or because we're shaped by what we think culture or the culture in the past says. Mm. Um, and because we, we almost want to protect things rather than encourage. And so that I think that can be restrictive. And I think that then is, is born out of a, you know, a right desire to not go beyond what the Bible says, um, but it, I think it does then create a, a culture where there is fear that women could end up sinning because they're doing something they're not supposed to. Um, and it doesn't then encourage women that they are a valued part of the church, that they can contribute um, in so many aspects of that. Um, I think another negative aspect can be when we separate men and women more than again the Bible says than puts them together. I think um, men and women are more similar than we often talk about. Um, and so we'd want to be encouraging men and women to be growing together as much as possible um, rather than only doing men's things and only doing women's things. I think again, when you look at the pattern of ministry within the, the New Testament, that is not um, what happens. There's probably less separation than there can be. 
Um, and I think, again, just an outworking of it can be um, because of the changes in our culture to do with sexuality and gender that we can often in a church, um, again, go over and above what the Bible has to say about what it means to be a man and woman and also almost buy into this false concepts or stereotypes of gender. Mm. Um, and we can play to extremes. And I think, again, that can be a real negative that we must guide against. Yeah. Um, and I think probably just finally that we have been blind to places where we've wrongly resisted the equality of women. I think within the church, as we look at what it says in Genesis, as we look at how Jesus treated women, we should, you know, the church should be a place where women know that they are equal um, and their equality is valued. And um, there should be no doubts or questions about that within the church. And I think sadly, and that has not always been the case. Yeah, I, definitely from what you were saying is it's, it's not necessarily about the do's and don'ts, it's about the celebration of what God has designed. And, and therefore it is a beautiful thing when we celebrate the things that God has, has put together. I think the point you made about, you know, being blinded to, to you know, kind of history of, of what we've put together. Um, I was talking to someone recently, who said the word teachable is, is being willing to be teachable to say, you know, we may have done this then, but actually as we have a depth of knowledge and we've seen it out working, we can see the negatives and the pitfalls and, mm -hmm. and we can develop it. So I think the word teachable comes to my mind. Yeah, now, in the conference that, that I attended, uh, you talked about creating a positive environment. And to some extent, we're kind of touching on that, that right now, but creating a positive environment for men and women to work together within the church. Um, in our discussion group when, on Zoom, we went into breakout rooms. And one of the main things that came out in our group was, you know, a full-hearted acceptance of complementarianism in a positive, celebrating way. I think in our group, it was, you know, really encouraging that basically everyone pretty much were in the same place. But the thing that came out was the awkwardness that can sometimes be felt. Uh, we were discussing various things that have been recently in the press and, and this, this idea of the Billy Graham rule and the Billy Graham rule being that you would never be uh, alone with a woman at any occasion, at any time, unless it was your spouse. Um, and, and so there was this unease, I guess, in our breakout room that we want a positive working environment with men and women, but we're kind of being told a, a different picture often of that might be a dangerous thing. And, and, and what, what do we do about that? So really as somebody that's really working in, in two roles, one within the church context and also one in a kind of overseeing of multi-church context, can you give us some insight into how to foster a positive working environment that is confident in Christ, confident in complementarianism, and there wouldn't be awkwardness or concern. And in fact, that we would actually celebrate this. So, so maybe give us some examples, some insights. Um, I'm generally an awkward person anyway. Um, it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, you mentioned coffee time after church. That is, you know, I'm just, I'm happy to preach the sermon, pray, and then head home with my family. Um, so, you know, you're probably speaking straight towards me right now, but how can we foster that real positive complementarian environment uh, let's go specifically within ministry context for those working and then let's take the context of within the church as well. Well I guess um, one of the things that I was saying when I did the talk was I think particularly in a ministry environment is include women in the discussion um, so if you are employing a woman maybe for the first time then I think it can be really helpful to talk openly 
with you know with the awkwardness and all of that about well how are we going to work together what are you comfortable with um I think the times when it has been I have felt the negative aspect of it is when someone has done something you know made a very um strong point of leaving a door open as you enter the room it just makes you feel then awkward you feel on the back foot and and it's not that I'm against this one, but actually if someone talked to me about it, I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, so I think that would be something that's really helpful is, you know, as a staff team, um, pastors, elders, you know, if you, there's a woman on your staff, talk about this, about how we do create a positive working environment. Um, and I think the second thing that I find really helpful is remembering what Paul teaches Timothy um, about how he should treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters. Um, and so I think it's helpful for us to ask those questions, you know, if you know, we have mothers, if you have a sister, you've seen um, other people treat their sisters, how would you want love and care to be demonstrated towards your mother, towards your sister? If you have daughters, how would you want it demonstrated towards your daughters? Um, and then it's going, well, actually, if that's how you want those in your family to be treated, then bring that into the church family. Um, and so it's applying the same love and care to the women on your staff. You know, they are your sisters in Christ. So treat them as your sisters in Christ. Um, we iso don't isolate ourselves in the same way in a family context. And so I think that can just be helpful to think around, you know, um, how we do that. You know, this familial love should shape how we communicate with one another, how we work alongside one another, and um, how we support one another in that. I mean, I think in all of these conversations, of course, we, we want to say we mustn't be naive. There are always um, opportunities for people to be sinful and for abuse to happen. And so I think another thing that can help us to be confident in Christ is to have good accountability structures. Um, and so to have, you know, if you have men and women working together on your staff, that the pastor has someone else that they can talk to about how they're working with the women on their staff, that the woman has someone, you know, another woman that she can talk to about how she's working um, with the men on the staff because I guess the challenge is that we've seen in recent cases that even when there are some of these rules in place people still you know sin people still abuse um, and so being able to call out behavior that goes beyond those family boundaries I think is really important yeah. um, both within the staff team and and I guess then that does reflect into the church context. Again, it's going, well, how can I treat the women in my church as, as my sisters in Christ um, and do so in a way that shows that I love and care for them. Um, I'm not being naive to the, to the challenges. Um, I think if you're married, include your wife in that discussion so that she, again, is comfortable and knows what is, you know, I think that again ensures accountability within marriage. But again, accountability within the church that people are being loving, but careful. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, even taking that from the flip side, we also want our sisters in Christ to know that, that we are their brothers. And, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of older figures, in terms of father figures, you know, it, it, as you say, it's that family relationship there. Yeah. Something you pulled out um, on the conference was, you know, sometimes you can you can see this environment of, you know, the, the pastors, the, you know, maybe pastor and assistant pastor go for a coffee 
and that idea of kind of ignoring the women's worker because well that would be a bit awkward and it's actually well if it's your sister in christ you know you want them to enjoy coffee and, and the chat of the day the, yeah. the relaxation moment of you know ministry stressful and actually it's not caring to say we, we have to push you to one side because actually this might be an awkward thing so um, yeah yeah no I, i'm really encouraged by that i think it's really important to see sisters in christ as that there is then the, almost that protection is that you want to protect your sister you want to protect your brother and um, and i think the accountability aspect is, is so true and um, certainly within our own church we've we've recently started putting in elements of accountability um, out with of our leadership team so that actually it's not the leaders doing seeing and being accountable it's actually we can also have a, a group around us that keep the leaders accountable um, yeah. as well so i think that's a really good thing um any other thoughts on complementarianism before i pray for you or do you want to plug any more books for jonathan carswell on ten of those <laughs> um, you know we would come and visit charlotte chapel but we can't because of all the rules but anything else you want to include just before we end in prayer yeah um, i think another book that i found really helpful is word filled women's ministry um by it's a gospel coalition book written well edited by Gloria Furman and Kathleen Nielsen um, and if someone's kind of wanting to find out a little bit more about complementarianism and I guess how it works out particularly in women's ministry then it's a really good starting point okay. um, and I think I would just encourage um, anyone who's asking questions wanting to find out more about what the bible says about men and women is is just really to explore to look into it there's loads of good resources out there and I think the more you dig into it and see it practiced in a way that is positive, the more you realize that it is such a good thing um, that God teaches. And then just one final thing. My wife is um, at ETS, at Edinburgh Theological Seminary, doing the Access to Theology course. Um, and she's, she's coming towards the end of that. Um, enjoyed your time there. Recommend um, um, my wife going on to do the bachelor's. I don't think she does want to, but <laughs> do recommend. I think after a few essays, she's like, "No, thank you." But uh, would you would you recommend further studies? Is this something um, you found really useful in ministry? That's an awkward question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was really good. Um, I did it part time, so I think that was slightly harder at times. Five years is a long time to do a degree, but I think the things I loved most about it is getting dedicated time to think about things in the Bible that I wouldn't do otherwise, and actually encountering big topics, um, particularly in systematic theology, that again I probably wouldn't have thought too much about, and so it was really challenging and encouraging to to have to think and think deeply um about truths about god and the bible and all that stuff and being able to do it in conversation with other people i think is really helpful um and so i think yeah i would encourage women to think about further theological training um the joy is that there's more options coming up out there um which again i think just help fit into different working environments but we can only really benefit from digging deeper into God's word and finding out more about what the Bible has to say to him. So, yeah. An added benefit from my wife is she said she's had to listen to my preaching for eight years now. She needs to go and listen to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> so she's, she's loved it. Um, as we come to uh, kind of the end of the podcast, if you do want to know uh, more about Rachel's ministry at the FIEC, you can go to the FIEC website and just search in Google. I know that 
uh, Rach has put a couple of articles up there. If you also want to have a look at Charlotte Chapel, I think Charlotte Chapel has got some great resources, some sermons, uh, various series that you can listen into and plug into. Uh, Paul Reese has several great series that I've listened to over the years. So please do and make access of those websites. Hey, it's, it's COVID. What else are you going to do with your time? You might as well look at these websites uh, and do head, obviously, to 10 of those. And we'll plug it again, Jonathan Carswell, if you're listening, hey, I, I think it's time for another discount code for Lincoln Baptist. We're, we're, we're doing you a wild trade here. Uh, but before I go, I would like to pray for, for Rachel and, and really just encourage her as a sister in Christ, as we've said, um, to continue in the ministry. So let, let's pray, Rachel. Uh, Father, I do thank you for Rachel and her time with us today. Father, I praise you for her willingness and desire, that burning heart's desire to serve you, Father. We thank you for all the things you've done in her life and, and taking her to this point. Father, we thank you for sustaining her in these two roles, two fairly major roles, Father. And we pray that you give her all the energy, all the, 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 uh, the skills that she needs to do these roles. And Father, as she has shared with us in terms of the complementarianism we pray that we would um, not have awkwardness but we would celebrate our differences and celebrate the way that you have designed us and father we do pray that we would treat um, women in our church as sisters and mothers that we would treat men in our church as brothers and fathers and father as we are a family together we pray that we would be accountable for our behaviors for our speech for our thoughts and so that when the world looks at the church they see something so different than what is in this world. So beautiful, stunning almost in terms of the relationships that we can have with one another in safety and security. And so, Father, help us celebrate your design and help us learn what it means to follow your word. Father, be with Rachel and all that she's doing. And we pray that when things do open up, she'll be able to bless fellow women's workers across our region celebrating their roles and what they're doing in church and really lifting them up to you so that she can be a great encouragement. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen.